Hey everyone, welcome to the Work Friends Podcast, where we bring meaningful conversations to you. I'm Jen Brubaker, and I'm here with my co-host, work and real friend, Ainsley Stanley. This season on the podcast, we're pausing to remember and reflect. Remember the key people and events in the good and hard seasons of life and reflect on God's provision, goodness, and grace. We'll hear from old and new friends, even some that are no longer living, about God's unchanging nature through it all. Today on the podcast, we're chatting with Craig Hines, who's the Satellite Director at Youth Unlimited YFC in Waterloo, Oxford. Today is our first Dead Mentors episode, and we're excited to dive into the life of Tolkien and Lewis and learn about all of the amazing things that they had to offer the community of faith. It's a fun and rich conversation. So plan a trip, go on a walk, do whatever you need to do, and enjoy today's episode. Welcome. This is so fun. Again, one of our, our work friends on the Work Friends podcast. So welcome, Craig. It's an honor to have you here today. I'm excited. Wooed. Me too. <laughs> so we are going to start off with some fun facts. So first of all, where did you grow up? Oh, that's always a scary question for me because I've lived all across Canada. So oh, by the time I was 19, I'd moved 18 times. Wow. So I've lived, I was born in Newfoundland. I'm I- a Newf. Wow. Yeah. Okay. I lived there until I was six and I moved from, my dad was on the corporate climb. So we moved from there to Edmonton, Alberta. We were there for two years. We moved from there to Winnipeg, Manitoba. We were there for about two years. We moved into the Southern Ontario region. So we started in Thornhill, we moved to Willowdale, Markham, Unionville, Uxbridge, Stouffville. Like I, yeah. Whoa. Wow. I've been all over the place. So I, like, I don't have a particular place that, oh, I grew up there. So I do, I do have great uh, heart for my roots of being mm. an East Coast person and, yeah. and those kinds of things. And my daughter now lives in Coal Harbor, Nova Scotia, oh, those cool. kinds of right. things. So that, that's certainly a part of um, of my makeup. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I've lived all over the place. So I guess Southern Ontario, I mean, I've been in Southern Ontario since I was 11. So the greater mm-hmm. Southern Ontario region, I've been, I've been in Southern Ontario. So okay. um, that's sort of, that's my growing up. But yeah. uh, it was pretty... So growing up was pretty crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. I didn't know that. And fun mm-hmm. that you lived in Markham. My mom's yeah. side of the family's from Markham. Mm. There you go. Yeah. And my dad's side of the family's high school. from Woo! Yep, Newfoundland. So there you go. I've got new roots. So. Oh, that explains a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh. Yeah. Maybe. Kindred spirits. See, I just knew it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's awesome. What is your ideal day? My ideal day? Oh, boy. My ideal day. Um, I'm, for me, like I just in regular life, I just like going to the school and mm. hanging in the halls, coaching kids, and mm. doing stuff in the classroom. Those, that, those are those are ideal days for me when it yeah. just it's a good and no one bothers me. Mm. It's good when you go through a day and no one bothers you. Yeah. So to me, that would be any day that no one bothers you is an ideal day for for this guy. Right. So, right. Um, I mean, I guess the other ideal would would be. Well, I mean, certainly spending time with my wife, but I get to do that lots, and it's, that's hopefully every day we we get ideal time like that. But uh, I have a really good friend that I love hanging out with, and he lives in England, mm. and mm. we just we we connect distantly, and then we try to get to each other's place. COVID's wrecked that, but anyway, yeah, totally. we're getting ready to solve that. But anyway, mm. so yeah, just to spend a day with Doug is yeah, there's nothing better, and it's just like what well, doesn't matter what we do. 
So you can be taking his kids somewhere or just us going to get a burger or whatever. Just that to me is, I look forward to those kinds of things. So mm, that's so awesome. It's relationships, right? Yeah. I love it. Yep. If you could have dinner with three people dead or alive, who would they be? <laughs> I, yes, I'm prepared for this one. <laughs> it's funny. And I'm not going to say Jesus because that's just the Christian answer. Right. But not that I wouldn't want to because I think it would be very interesting. So I was I struggle with this because there's so many people I would yeah. like to meet. So um, maybe it's just because this was my so my first choice was Eddie Van Halen. Mm. I, I love love the guitar. I love rock music. I grew up on it. I mm. cut my teeth on all that kind of stuff. I I play the guitar, not anywhere near like that, but um, <laughs> I do enjoy that kind of stuff. So certainly, and I found he is, he, as much as he's a great guitar player, his technical mind for electronics and stuff was like off the charts. Mm. I would love to just sit down and watch this guy hack stuff. Yeah. It would be incredible. So I enjoy that kind of stuff. So uh, he was now, he was a choice. I wouldn't say number one. I, none of them are number one. So the other one was, I would love the opportunity to sit in the pub in Oxford with Tolkien and Lewis in that group of Inklings and just listen to their stories. Mm -hmm. I think that would be amazing. And watch Mm -hmm. them fight because I think that would be really cool (laughs) because they did, right? They they really did. Like I remember like Screw Tape, Lewis wrote, he dedicated to Tolkien and Tolkien told him, I don't like that book. (laughs) (laughs) So like those kind of things are just like, okay, that's really cool. They're best friends. But yeah, like, yeah, I don't like that. That's stupid kind of thing. So, um, and then the other one for me was uh, Richard Rohr. Mm. who's sort of a, how do you describe the guy? To me, like he's sort of like the godfather of the progressive theological movement. Like his thoughts are just so profound and deep. And I just, yeah, I just, everything I've read by him, I'm just going like, what? Why didn't they tell me this at church? Mm. Like or in in the normal circles that I traveled in? I I thought I would have, yeah, you could have saved me a lot of time. Yeah. Right? So those are probably the three people I would pick at this point. Mm. I think I would like to be a fly on the wall. In that conversation, that dinner, dinner party. Also, a good mix of personalities there, too. Yes. And <laughs> yes. Halen would really just be the perfect mix-up in that group if you had them all. Yeah, it's kind, of, it's kind of a little, yeah. yeah. It's a little bit convoluted, but I like it. It does. <laughs> um, where is the best place you've been to? Oh, my goodness. Yeah. I read all these questions before, so I thought, oh, those are hard questions for me because <laughs> I, I enjoy so much stuff. So mm. I think for me... Probably as a far as a place on earth, I got to take my rugby girls. We went on a rugby tour to Hawaii. No way. And it was just like, the rugby was, it was fine. It was, actually it was horrible rugby, but the, <laughs> the scenery and going to the beach and, you know, going to Waimea and going up to the, to the pipeline and doing uh, Waikiki and like doing all the beaches and seeing yeah. all that stuff and then eating some of the local food. It was just like, I really enjoyed I, I I always felt like I was spo- I was born on an island, mm. but I think it was the wrong one. Right, yeah. <laughs> I think I should have been on a tropical island. A little bit different yeah. Hawaii and Newfoundland. Yes, a little bit different. So I've <laughs> yeah. always sort of been drawn to ocean and that kind mm. of stuff, and th- the idea of surfing, those they, that gets me excited. So, like, mm. um, my daughter's in Nova Scotia, like, they're taking surfing lessons. Now the water's a little colder than I'd like. Yeah. That's what they so but so she said, Are you gonna come and learn to surf? I, well, I have surfed before, Nick. I just I mean I, I live in Ontario, there's not a lot of surfing around here, yeah. let's face it. We could so, hit up Lake Ontario. Yeah, so that to me that to me is a as a place, <laughs> but I think my best place to go is again, I've already mentioned Doug and his family, and I miss them so badly. So when you ask me this question, like I just want to go see Doug mm-hmm. and Rachel and her their three kids, four kids now, because they had a kid during COVID. Oh wow! And it's like, come on! So I haven't even got to meet meet Lana. So for me, that's just mm. 
Yeah, it uh, that that would if mm. someone said if you could go anywhere you wanted today today on this earth, where would you go? I'd go to Doug's house. Nice. That would be it. And it's and and for my, my wife and I, it's just yeah, it's our one of our places, right? So and mm. I love my family most days, and right. you know I see them and stuff. So yeah. you know I do enjoy being with them too. But he's we've just had this special long connection right. over many years now, yeah. so it's just really cool. That's so cool. It is cool. Okay, if you had a parallel life, everything in your life right now, complete, finished, you don't have to worry about missing out on what you have now, um, what would you want it to look like? Um, yeah, I just said I think I would love to have unlimited resources and just be a philanthropist and mm. just give it all away. Oh, that'd be cool. That's, that's, that would be, and help other people reach for their dreams and their passions and, and help people who need help. Mm. And just, just, yeah, just give it all away as fast as I could. Mm. But yeah, yeah, I think so. Some, something along the philanthropy line, I think mm-hmm. that's kind of what I would like to do. Fine. And be my own boss. I just, yeah. <laughs> we could probably get into that if we wanted to, but yeah. we won't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 Cool. Okay. Aside from those fun facts, again, I'm always surprised at how much you learn about somebody through just like, five-ish random questions, yes, which yes. is so fun. No, no, so um, but tell us about yourself and what life looks like for you right now. Um, well, uh, my wife and I are empty nesters. All our kids are gone. I always tell people, say, well, how many kids do you have, Craig? I, you know, I have one kid you can blame me for, mm. <laughs> right? But And then I have two others that lived with me. And then I have all the other kids that I just love. So mm. they're, they're, to me, they're, that's that's... That they're, I do. I, I always. Nick, Nick, my daughter Nikki always says to me. She says, "Dad, he says you treat all those other kids just like you treat me." And I said, "Yeah, but you're still my kid, so you've always got a leg up." <laughs> but you know, so it's just that that idea. So um, I've been married for thirty eight years. Wow. Hopefully, I did the math right. I'll hear about it later. Right. <laughs> um, so yeah, Elaine and I have been married for thirty eight years. Um, we live in Baden. Um, I'm an eight-minute walk from the gymnasium of the high school, so I can get mm. everyone. I, mostly I drive because sometimes you got to leave and go other places. So, But I do like the days when I can just, oh, I just go to the school. I can walk and walk home with the kids. Mm, <laughs> and that's cool. old 60-year-old guy walking around. Nice. People think I'm um, – I love to read. Um, I read a lot of books. Uh, I, I love coaching. I love having conversations with anybody who is willing to sit and listen and talk and share or whatever that may be. Um I think in my own current reality, I think just by working in the realm of the youth, I think they keep me young, keep mm. my mind young, keep me open to new ideas and new mm. thoughts. Um, I get, I don't like, um, I've always been, I think, I think I have always been a fairly free thinker and open to new stuff so, and willing to throw out things that some people say, well, that's absolute. And it's like, well, I don't know that there are absolutes. Mm in a lot of a lot of this kind of stuff so I, I i wrestle with that stuff all the time so um i love like favorite thing i like, on tv i'll turn on the tv and I'll, i like watching tcm like the old movie station mm. it's all it just it just gives me a view into old culture old mm. thinking people and stuff and all those kinds of things so um yeah uh what else can i uh i think that's kind of my reality right now my wife and i just sort of do life together we're missing um having our our kids right in our home like right. we're in nova scotia natalie who was a, a foster child that we we which is a which is a podcast in itself her story but uh she came into our lives when she was 14 
and uh, another young lady, Chantel, came into her, our lives when she was 16, and, and they lived with us and stuff. But Natalie right now is in uh, in Australia. She's an mm. intake worker in Ipswich, just near Brisbane. Wow. So she's got her master's in social work, and which is her story is amazing because I, I can't believe she got out of high school. Mm. But, you know, once she sort of got out of the fog of marijuana, we, we discovered there's a smart kid there. Mm. Um, not that she wasn't smart when she was doing marijuana, but it was a little slower, shall we say. <laughs> <laughs> and just, it is what it is. So, um, yeah, so that's kind of what life looks. My wife is, um, she works for an organization and she works in data, data okay. and anal- analysts, and she, she manages data scientists and crazy. Oh, interesting. Oh, yeah. Like, she's she's a brainiac, to be quite honest. Yeah, wow. So, um She's uh, she has an engineering background and she's very educated, very smart woman, mm. and you know so she she does that, and uh, she works for Communitech. We can give Communitech a plug if there's anyone listening, <laughs> um, and it's a, a fantastic organization. They not only do they treat my wife well, they treat me well, mm. which is just like wow. They, they 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 actually don't just care about her; they care about our whole family. So oh, it's really cool. cool, very cool. So yeah. so yeah, I guess that's our current reality so mm. looking forward to retiring not in the far too distant future and mm. moving to nova scotia wow so that's fun it's yeah. very beautiful out there i went for the first time this summer yeah. so i mean i literally went for one day we went to halifax drove around <laughs> spent the whole day in our car just driving around and well, there you go so we'll see when i get out there you'll have a place you can come and crash and good we'll to show know. you some more stuff Amazing. sounds good yeah. sounds good i'll put that in the, the put, list yeah, for put the it future. on the list things to do cool well, I mean, it's really fun to hear more about these fun things about you, but I'm pumped for this conversation talking about our dead mentors, which is a kind of a funny thing that I feel like it was Mel who kind of first started talking about like that, like that's what she was calling them was dead mentors. And so now we like to say it and people are like, what? What are you talking about? Dead people? And I'm like, yeah, dead people. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, we're going to spend some time over this podcast season talking about dead, dead people of the past or maybe in some cases just very old people. Uh, that still have a lot to to offer as far as theology and thinking and different things and kind of looking back. So, um, yeah, we just want to learn from people who I think we think that everybody nowadays sometimes can have the propensity to think that we have the best ideas just because they're the newest ideas, but a lot of them actually come from what people have already said for years and years and years. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> which my mom would be like, yeah, you should have listened to me when I told you that when you were 16, but I didn't. So <laughs> anyway, you're not supposed to No, you don't learn if you don't push. Exactly. So <laughs> anyway, talk to us about like why you might think it's important to study uh, some dead mentors and kind of when did you become interested in studying people of the past? Um, for me, probably my childhood, some of it just ties to my story, right? Mm. So, you know, my, I grew up in a fairly normal home, not a Christian home by any by any means, but uh, my dad was uh, chasing the corporate, you know, climbing the corporate ladder. That was his goal, make money, be be somebody big and mm. whatever, right? He, he, if I think if you look up narcissist in in the dictionary, I mean, some would say it would be Trump. I would say it would be my dad. Like mm. that would, they just put his name there. So mm. that's kind of, kind of person he was. And that's kind of how we live life. So I think um, our house from, I don't remember a lot about my early years because there's lots of moving and stuff. And, and my parents, like they didn't, they weren't mean to us or any of those kinds of things. There was always lots of money and those kinds of things. But you, 
looking back now, I can see there was obviously stress in the marriage. There was things. My dad's a narcissist. My mom, my mom, yeah, it's hard to explain. My mom, she was very caring for us as children and would, you know, give the shirt off her back to anybody. Like she's a very generous person that way. I don't know that my dad was as much unless it made him look good. So I think for me, some of my interest um, came when I, about 10, when I, around when I turned 10, we just came to Ontario. We actually lived next door to a, a Baptist minister. I doesn't mean anything to me at that point, mm-hmm. right? And he had a son and we played hockey together. We played rap hockey together and stuff. So, and, and they were nice people. But through that, my parents started going to church. And in my life, that's when everything went to hell. Mm. That's yeah, that's how I saw it. And I watched my parents struggle and watched their marriage fall apart. And by the time I was 14, my dad was gone. Mm. And it's like, we were, we were fine till they started going to church. So, and that's how I related things to God and church. It's like, so I had zero interest by the time in my teenage years, of course, with anything to do with that. So I think um, because of some of that stuff, one of the ways I would escape was I would go and I would read. Mm. And I, so I always liked books and I just, I mean, I, when you're 10, what do you read? Like Hardy Boys, right? So that's right. Kind of, so yeah. I, I read appropriate stuff. So I think for me, I became interested in that, but I always have had this, uh, I loved old movies, mm. just going back and looking old history sort of was a somewhat attractional to me and not so much the events. It was just like the culture and the way people related and what it mm. looked like and just, it was different. Right. right. So I, I like that. So I think that's kind of how I had that. It was just sort of that innately built into me, I think. So it yeah. wasn't something I just, oh, I think I'm going to real read old stuff. My grandpa, my poppy, um, um, my dad's dad was an amazing man and I spent tons of time with him mm. and he had, he just, he was a book reader and read old books and stuff. And I just, I d- couldn't read, but I loved picking up the old book and just looking at it and looking, pick whatever was there and just holding it, mm. even just having that. And I, I guess I appreciated the history or the, the mm. what it was. So mm. that's kind of where it all started for me. So I, I would, you know, I would accredit somewhat to my grandfather that, uh, I, some of that came from him and he just, he had this uh, appreciation of all things, mm-hmm. right? So, and he died very young. Um, for me, I was only, I was only 15 when he died. Mm. So I didn't, but the time I did have with him really impacted my whole entire life. Totally. And I'm not sure how my father is his son. Mm. It doesn't make any sense to me. Interesting. Because they're just like, seriously? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah. Mm. So probably for me, that's kind of where it started. Mm. That's really cool. Yeah. Well, I'm excited to dive into two people, two yeah. of your dead mentors, Tolkien and C.S. Lewis. And it's obviously impossible to unpack someone's whole life. Yeah. And like however long this is going to be, let alone two. But we're going to try to scratch the surface at least. <laughs> so um, we're going to start with Tolkien. Who is he and what did his life look like? So Tolkien, uh, he... Was uh, he's born in South Africa, so we, I mean a lot of people see him as the English professor, yeah. which, which he was, which he was. But uh, he um, he lived he was that so that's where he was born. His his it's where his dad worked, all those kind of things. And he moved back to England to Ox to the, I believe like the Middle England, Oxford, that whole area, mm-hmm. which which really influenced him then in how he wrote and what how he created Middle Earth around that whole thing. But. Uh, and he, they were him and his mom and his brother were going to go back to South Africa, but his dad became sick down there, oh. and he died, and they never went back. So that's oh, wow. kind of, and his mom and his mom died when he was twelve. So him and his 
him and his brother got, became wards of the church, wow. of the Catholic church. Right, so yeah. they, there uh, was a, a, a father that looked after him through the church and became that person in their lives and right, yeah. sort of educated them and drew them into all this stuff. So that's kind of kind of where where he started. So he got really interested in in literature and reading books and languages and composing and creating his own languages and all the stuff that's gone like the stuff the book Lord of the Rings is, you know, it's it's basically three books all and then the Hobbit. Yeah. But there's if you there's so much that you can read outside he's created a whole mythology outside of this like languages and and other stories that all wow. fit together and it's just like there's so much to read it's like and it's, he didn't really he he composed it but his his son in later in life brought it all together and started releasing it in volumes so you could oh. so like oh, there's gotcha. a legacy that left there so um he the way they said he was a gentle blue-eyed man who dressed in tweeds smoked a pipe liked to take walks and rode on an old bicycle so they, he just like he didn't look like it. Mm. He doesn't look like his. He's, he was a professor of languages. He wrote, helped write the Oxford Dictionary, mm. like all these crazy things that this guy's done. So that's kind of, kind of who he was. But I think it, those kinds of things really influenced how he came to be and how he came to be in life and 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 as he progressed along. And just it was just interesting to me that the, there was trauma, there was turmoil in life. Mm. That sort of set him apart from other people. I mean, he he fought in the war, and you know had had friends die, those kinds of things. And like, mm -hmm. so he had some really so a lot of a lot of the description of war in his books mm -hmm. are right are from his own experience of yeah, seeing totally. it. Right, so it's just like it's pretty it's pretty pretty cool that way. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so that's a little bit of, about who he was. He, he had his had his brother. As I said, he had a brother. Um, he published his first he published the hobbit in 1937 mm. Whoa. so it's wow yeah that's cu coming up to 100 years yeah. right another yeah. another 12 years or so whatever that is i don't do math that well <laughs> you know um i took him it took him 14 years to write lord of the rings Whoa. So. yeah it would <laughs> <laughs> yeah Whoa. exactly yeah it would eh? <laughs> so yeah it was uh so he, and he it was interesting one of the things i found um interesting about him is he he was not a guy he he didn't like to read modern literature mm. he always looked at old stuff he's really into norse norse mythology and other mythologies mm. and like and he was like at he just he thought all the new right oh they don't know what they're doing like he just sort of like modern prose what it like oh it's just thought it was horrible stuff they don't know how to use the language it was like he was he's a bit of a curmudgeon right? <laughs> yeah yeah around those kinds of things so and i'm thinking wow he was like it's crazy like he was yeah, he was just one of the. He's just an interesting character. Mm -hmm. so. Mm. so, and what year was he born? Uh, you know? he was born. That's a good question. I I did have that. I thought I wrote it down, and I did not write that down. Um, nineteen nineteen hundreds, early nineteen hundreds. I okay. forgot. So that's why I brought the book. So we can we can find that out. I forget. You can also Google it. Yes, you can. Yes, you can Google. Someone Google it. I got yeah. the book there. When yeah, yeah, yeah. was Tolkien, Tolkien born? born? Thinking January third, eighteen ninety-two. Okay, eighteen ninety-two. Okay. Wow. There you go. Wow. Early nineteen. Yep. So. That's crazy that that book that people still enjoy today, and he was well, yeah. That and when he, when old. they published the book, the cr critics hated it. Oh. Like he just it got and and they yeah, it was just it wasn't well, and then it just 
had the slow grounds well to where now I think it's in the books of all time it's not yeah. Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit are number two and three do you guys want to know what it. what's the for number one the little prince I don't oh. even know it's a, that. by a French author Hmm. So there's a talk. Anyway, there, there now you depends on which lists you look at. Right, but, right. But he's all, they're always they're always in there. Up but there. one of them, I forget what the name of the, the list is, but it, it's two and three. Mm. And then yeah, it's the Little Prince, and it's just yeah, it's been more. Again, I think they base it on how many books have been sold. Right, mm. gotcha. Right. I think so. Interesting. Yeah. yeah, it is like so funny to see like now as an adult understanding more about Lord of the Rings, and I mean I've only seen like part of return of the king i think but yeah. my older brother is like a lord of the rings fanatic like he i literally my memories of childhood i have you know some of those things that are just like really burned in my memory that always happen and one of them is my brother just reading lord of the rings all the time that's <laughs> funny like over and over and so I you've never read so it. nerdy i've never read okay. it <laughs> because have you it was read him. it jen <laughs> <laughs> no, no. <laughs> <laughs> We'll add it to the list. But yeah, I think that's cool to kind of see like all the depth of things that like I just I had no idea about as a kid. Just my nerdy older brother was reading them was my my perspective on it. But to see everything. So um tell us about some of the main sort of lessons that we can take away from his life or his writings. Yeah, it's it's funny because I think when he wrote the book and and, and he, the critics came out and like he, he wrote it surely for just it's pure escapism that's mm -hmm. why he wrote the book is just so mm -hmm. people can get lost in another world right. there was no big allegorical or anything that was going to he wasn't trying to speak profoundly into anybody's life with this book it was actually stories that he told to his kids right and he just i mean and he just flushed it out right yeah mm -hmm. i mean i told stories to my kids too but it would never amount to you know <laughs> yeah i don't make stories up i guess mm. um but so that's really where it came from so the the heart of the book was just pure escapism so for me the first time i read it i was 15 years old um my dad had left i was working night shifts like you know the, the midnight the graveyard shift to make money to help my mother mm. and trying to go to high school and working you know so you'd work a night shift and then drag your butt to school after a night shift. Right. I didn't go to school a lot, so it didn't really affect me that much. But mm. but the the idea of what I was trying to do, right? So I so and I started reading Lord of the Rings at the time. I don't even know where I I think it was one of my friends said, Oh, you should read this crap. It was just one of those. Oh, okay. So I, I started reading and I read it at work. Cause in Markham on the corner of Highway Seven and Forty Eight back in whatever that was, nineteen sometime in the late seventies, right? Yeah. <laughs> it was like <laughs> There's nobody coming to the gas station. Like, why they were open for 24 hours? I have no idea. Like, you'd see three or four <laughs> people. There, there just wasn't much there, and it's mm -hmm. that intersection a lot different these days. But so, and that's what I, I what I did. So, and for me, it was just a, a way to escape the horribleness of life. I could mm -hmm. get lost in another world, and I just that worked for me. That doesn't work for everybody, but worked for me. So that's kind of what I did. So it's I think it's um it's just very cool to be able to do that and have that. Now I kind of forget what the point of the question was. <laughs> what we can, what lessons Right, we can so yeah, so for me, it was just escapement. So the lesson was just, just the ability to quiet my mind and, and go somewhere else, mm. right? To, to sort of, you know, get that mental break from the stresses of life. Um, I, when my dad left, my mom shut down. Like I, mm. I looked after myself. I looked after my youngest brother. My middle brother just did whatever, just... We just we were all just trying to survive. Mm -hmm. We were just in this continuous survival mode. So, 
it just gave me a place of peace because going home was not a place of peace. Um, I had a really good, one of my good friends, his mom and dad sort of stepped into that role in my life. And I spent a lot of time with them too and going mm. to their house. And when I was really stressed, I literally, I, I mean, I can remember going to their house at 10 o'clock at night and walking in. They'd all be in bed except for, for Bob. That's his, his dad's name was Bob. So I'd go down and Bob would be sitting down and watching TV with the old Rogers remote and with the big clicking thing. <laughs> and he, he, he was a quiet man. And I'd go down and he just know, he could look at me. He knows like I was stressed. He didn't ask me any questions. <laughs> There any of those kinds of things. Just, and I would lay on the couch. I would be exhausted because I probably had played some sports or done something. I'd been at work, whatever. And I'd lay down and I would ultimately fall asleep. And he, and he would go and get a blanket. He'd cover me up. And when he went to bed, he'd turn the lights off and, mm. and go to bed. And, and I would sleep down in their recreation room on the couch till the morning. And then they would try to get me to go to school the next morning. <laughs> and, they, and they did. They looked after me like that. And, it, and they were amazing people. And mm. they, you know, they were just people. They weren't church people. They were just regular people and they just loved so greatly. So for me, some of the lessons I learned, you know, there's so many things you can draw out of the thing, but for me, it was just probably ultimately it was just that, that clash of, for me, of the good versus evil kind of thing. And mm. some of the things I just liked, um, the relationships that, uh, you know, if you look at Frodo and Sam and how close of a relationship they had as two friends mm. and how loyal Sam was to what, the burden that Frodo had to deal with and all those kinds of things. It was just, I dreamt of those kinds of relationships. Mm -hmm. I wanted, I wanted that kind of, I wanted someone in my life like that. I wanted to have those kinds of relationships and I had certainly not modeled at home. Mm -hmm. So when I did, I guess, so for me, that was one of the big, big things that I drew, that I draw away from reading a book like that. It's just, mm -hmm. yeah, just the, the intertwining of love and how it works and what it means and the sacrifice. There's so many overlaying things mm. in there that you, you can learn from and just mm. yeah it was just really cool so it just it was really cool to see you know think of a man who, who created a world like that and and the fact that he created it to give to his kids was that just yeah it was amazing yeah that's cool yeah. anything else we want to talk about Tolkien his life his um, writings good summary I was just funny I wrote down a couple of quotes I was just quickly looking at them here yeah <laughs> one of the quotes I love it if in in the book um, the two, two of the hobbits, Mary and Pippin, are all about food, right? Mm. Food and food and ale. <laughs> this is their whole <laughs> life surrounds, right? Mm. They eat breakfast, they read eleven seas, they eat lunch, and they are just always eating. But uh, <laughs> one of the quotes is uh, from Tolkien himself was just some. Uh, where is it? I just lost. It. Where there's life, there's hope, and a need of vittles, you know, need of food. <laughs> <laughs> so I always, I just, I appreciate that because it, it is funny how much when we sit around the table. It's a biblical theme too. We sit around the table and we eat together yeah. and commune together and what that can mean in a person's life, right? So mm. I thought that was a, was a cool one. The other one was uh, Tolkien said, even the smallest person can change the course of a future. Mm. I thought that was... So it's lots of little wise words from, from the thing. So I really, uh, yeah, he was a... He was a yeah, he was an amazing guy. Mm. Amazing guy. So I, there's, I mean, there's so much, yeah. Mm -hmm. So there's a plethora of things to go deeper with. But yeah. yeah, totally, yeah. Okay, so I would love to hear, explain to us the relationship between Tolkien and C.S. Lewis. Yeah, that, um, <laughs> that's a, that, their relationship was extremely in, interesting. Um, they were best friends. Um, C.S. Lewis seemed to be a much more outgoing kind of energetic kind of guy, whereas Tolkien sort of, 
epitomized the sort of the, the professorly type. Mm-hmm. Now they were both professors and in, in you know Oxford and these iconic uh, colleges that we hear about all the time. But they were best mm-hmm. friends, and Lewis credits Tolkien to, to his spiritual awakening. Mm. So I didn't know that. Yeah. So mm. you, a lot of times you read it's 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 Tolkien who influenced because. C.S. Lewis was a was an atheist, mm-hmm. like yeah. he, he and he but and he grew up in a much more structured home as far as around religion and stuff, but mm-hmm. chucked it all because it didn't make sense we, we, with war and the different things that happen in life. It's just like, mm-hmm. how does a god make sense? And so one of C.S. Lewis's early influences was Freud, mm-hmm. right? So he he adopted all his ideology and stuff. Yeah, and interesting. Went went that way, but somehow through being with Lewis and he would. Uh, being with Tolkien, because Tolkien was just this steady Catholic guy who held very firmly to what he believed, yeah. um, and it was it was more of a practicality. It was like he wasn't. I think he was deep deep spiritually, but to meet him, I don't think he would have come across that way. I think because he, he was he grew up in a lot of liturgy and mm-hmm. just very stilted, so it was right. he wouldn't. It just would have looked very different. I just you just sort of sort of get a feel for the guy. It was just it was just. Yeah, it was. It's, this is the religion. This is what I believe. Blah. And there was, there was no arguing about what it what it was or wasn't. So mm-hmm. I think the steadiness of that. But I obviously there's to both these guys. There's there's a huge depth, just based on how they write and what they do. Like yeah, more, a lot of depth outside of some of even regular people, whatever we're gonna call them, understandings, right? So they, yeah. they just they could, their minds can go to way deeper places than a lot of us go. So mm-hmm. so they, yeah, so they had a they had this this relationship and they, and they, they love to go to the pub and sit and talk and debate like Norse mythology. And they'd read it in its original language and talk about it. And it's like, <laughs> I don't, I tried to think, didn't understand a word of that. <laughs> well, and I think for some of that yeah. too, for, for Lewis, like he had to learn some of that stuff in order to be able to even get into the world of Tolkien right, because yeah. he was just so into linguistics and how language comes together. Right. right. So this is what they do, but they would, and then they, they had a group called the Inklings. Mm-hmm. So it was him and um, Tolkien were sort of the driving force. And there's a pile of guys that have come and gone. You know, some say give it credit to. There's like four of them. I forget the other two guys' names because they and they've all written. I've read read some of their books mm-hmm. and and those kinds of things. But just they just for me they just didn't hit me the same way. Some one of the one of the guy was just really. Very, the book was very Freudian, like it was just it was mm. sort of psychological. Looks like, okay, yeah, okay, I'm, I'm out, right? <laughs> so, um, so yeah, so they 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 had they had that kind of a relationship, and um, they both they both fought in the war. Mm. They um, C.S. Lewis is um, a little bit younger than Tolkien, and uh, he, if you look at Lewis's life too, his his life. Much like Tolkien was filled with, his mom died when he was young. His dad couldn't look after him, so he farmed the kids off to boarding school. The first mm. boarding school was just full of horrible things and abuses and stuff. And then they got pushed to another one and was in a better spot. But sort of dad kind of just sort of abandoned the kids and, mm. and threw them into the boarding school situation. Mm. So they, again, you have the, the, all this turmoil in these guys' lives. So And then they came together, and I think they sort of um, met with similar ideas and stuff. And mm-hmm. I think that it was just the steadfastness of Tolkien that drew mm. C.S. Lewis back into rethinking his position on God, right? And if you read a book like uh, Mere Christianity, 
Um, and I don't think that's the first one he wrote, but he I forget which was the first one he wrote. He, he's written. These guys, you look at their list of things they write, and you think, you're kidding, right? Like, yeah. how, how do you write that much? <laughs> it's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot, mm. right? So he came into that that kind of stuff. But, I mean, like mere Christianity, I would say probably the first 10 chapters, he makes a you know an argument for God and existence and morale and all those kinds of things without even using Scripture. Like It's mm. all from the, from the, the, the science of humanities. Yeah. That's it. You know, and that was his Freudian influence, right? Because mm. Freudian, a lot of Freud stuff is all scientifically based, right? All right. the things and things he proposes and human behavior and stuff. So when he talks, and it was just like, for me, it was like, dude, like, that's, he was, for me, that was ahead of the time. So I read that stuff and I was like, I really, for me, I connect with it. Because I didn't grow up in the church, so I'm mm. looking for, I've always was looking for, um, what other people thought, right? Because you, you, you come into the church. I mean, I walked into the doors of the church. I mean, I had, I rubbed shoulders with it from the time I was, a, probably when I moved in to Toronto, right? With Because of my Baptist minister next door. But I didn't really, I'm 10, right? You're 11, 12, mm-hmm. then you're 14 and your like, family's upside down. But I remember when I finally sort of acknowledged that, okay, God, ex- I think God exists. And I came into it and it's just like, and I'm hearing all the, you know when you you go into a situation and you look at who the experts are and they start saying stuff and even my mind I'm going to think I don't know if that's true, mm-hmm. but they're a lot smarter than me so I guess yeah. it is so you sort of have to to hear their information before you can pull it apart so I, for me it was just yeah just getting in that space so I think it, I I relate to C.S. Lewis as he was coming into it the wrestling to to decide like does God exist. How does he exist? Why mm. does he exist? Like all those big, deep questions that push through the bottom. So that's for me. That was I had the same wrestling match, and and you and you come through it. But I felt like because he could, for me, he, he you re, read the beginning of that book, you could you could see how he approached morality, how he spirituality, how God is, who God is, how why did, how does God exist. How does this make sense? How do you line it up with, you know, looking at the Bible and all the violence and all the things that they talk about? And they're like, that can't be God. That's God. Like he's he's violent. He's he's angry. He's all those kinds of right. things that were fairly common in Christian culture, certainly back in his day and even mm-hmm. in my early days. And well, even today, they, those things are still somewhat somewhat there, right? So it's I just yeah. So I think for whatever reason, it was um, Tolkien's consistency to his faith. And the liturgy of his faith that, and I'm sure I'd, that's why you know, love to be a fly. I would love to sit and talk and hear totally. their story. I'd like to really hear what yeah. what happened and how how they discussed that stuff because obviously they did. Yeah. And because Tolkien was such a curmudgeon, I think they like they they battled. Yeah. Right. They they so and I think but I think C.S. Lewis just appreciated the ability to be able to talk and speak what he needed to work through, and Tolkien gave that space. Yeah. And it wasn't about agreeing or disagreeing. It was about having a discourse. Yeah. Right? So I thought, so those kinds of things for me are really cool. So I, their relationship is fascinating yeah. to me. And, you know, just like, again, like just the fact that, you know, he, C.S. Lewis writes the screw tape letters and dedicates it to Col- Tolkien. And Tolkien mm-hmm. says, yeah, I don't like that book. <laughs> like, that's insane, right? So and, and, and like, yeah, he just, you know, he just shot it down. It's like, yeah. And, and, and you know, in the screw tape letters, it's fairly one of the more popular ones. Yeah. Narnia is the big, you know, for me, mm-hmm. Narnia is the big one. I can look at a lot of people, oh, you know, that's just, a, but, you know, all his, all his uh, uh, theological, for lack of a better word, doctrinal stuff, mm-hmm. you know, your Christian uh, grief observed, you know, uh, 
all the different his mm-hmm. his autobiography, all those stuff are are really really good. Like just they're deep, they're re- they're fascinating. Mm-hmm. But yeah. So yeah, so I just yeah, I just think the man was ahead of his time, mm-hmm. and I would love you know you'd like to to transpose those guys into today's time and see what they would say or write. Yeah. Would be I think would be they could look I think it would be mind blowing. Yeah, totally. <laughs> right, because I think I think the big things for them were they they were. They were so open to new thought and new ideas, and, and continuing to push the conversations along along the lines. Uh, I think it was uh, I think C.S. Lewis said, "Our past is a link to our present and our future. We are influenced, inspired, and corrected, and challenged to improve upon our mistakes and successes of the past. Freedom to think with an open mind, willing to change our minds. For me, nothing stays the same. Culture and people are always changing. Mm. So I thought." To me, that's powerful, right? Because yeah. so often, um, certainly in my experiences, I've grown through the Christian world, and and I continue to want to learn more, and I just like and learning that you know, uh, it's one of those. I can remember being a young youth pastor, and this whole argument around absolute truth and revel, relevant truth, and relevant truth. Oh, that was a bad thing. It's right. got to be. There's absolutes. We and and having that conversation with my father on one day, he says, "Oh, Craig, there's just some things I I." I can't let go, right, of, of what I believe. And it's like, and he say his question to me, he says, like, how have you? And I said, at some point, you just got to let it all go. Like, mm. you can you have to question right down to the heart the existence of God and whether he actually exists and is Jesus really who he said. Like, although you just got to let it all go. And people call it deconstruction. There's all kinds of terminology around that kind of stuff. Right. So I went through all those processes. But it's like a statement like that from it's just having the ability to keep an open mind, to relook at things, to redo. So I can approach people in context now in, in culture, and I can look, I can love a trans person and think, God doesn't need to fix that. Mm. I can look at a gay person and think, God doesn't need to fix God loves them the way they are, who they are. He's, he's in the midst of that stuff, and it's, it's not, I don't need to fix them, or I just need to, I just need to love them. That's mm-hmm. all, that's my, that's my job is to love them. And it gets kind of, so to have an open mind, that, and, I, and I, I swim in those waters. I have a daughter who, who is gay, and I love her to death. There's nothing she can do or say that will ever change that love in my heart yeah. to cause her to, and if I, as a human being, can have that love, doesn't God have that love even in more? Mm. Like wider and bigger and graceful, more merciful than I. So that's kind of where I'm at. So I really, so that's what these guys do for me. They push my mind to think and be open. And mm. how do we embrace the humanity that we're in right now? And without judging, without pushing agendas, without mm. trying to figure all that stuff out, just just mm-hmm. love them. And some people say, well, that's just semantics, Craig. And, you know, that's what, you know, God is love, and I said, "Yeah, He is." But why do we get so hung up on all this other stuff? Then, if that's who He is, kind of thing. So that's kind of where I, where I sit and breathe, mm. or try to. And so that's how these guys influence me because they, they push me to think bigger, mm. have bigger thoughts, more inclusive. Allow thoughts. God to be bigger. Kind yeah, of yeah. Don't put Him in a box. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Hmm. That was a long answer to that question. I don't remember what the question was, but <laughs> I know it was great. It's like, how do we even follow up? There's lots of things in there. Yep. Can you give us a little bit of a Cole's notes on Lewis's life? Yeah, so he was, see, I put his birthday down. Look at that. Born yeah. November 29th, 1898. So, yeah, so, this, so you see a few years. 100, well, 99 years before I was born. Is that all? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't do that math on whatever. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, so he was born in Ireland, Belfast. So he's an Irish guy. Um, I, I like to, I'm a Newfie, so I'm an Irish pirate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. totally. Just so you know. Um, <laughs> so I have, you know, I have kindred connections with with, with him. So, um, so yeah, so he's, he was named Clive Staple Lewis. Um, at at age four, he announced to his parents that he wanted to be called Jacksy. Hmm. Eventually, he shortened it to Jack. So everybody, all his friends called him Jack. Hmm. So when most of us, we C.S. Lewis, right? No, that's yeah. we call him. His name was Jack. That's what everyone called him. Interesting. Yeah. Um, he, his early days, I'll just, I can read it once. I wrote it out. In the early days, his brother brought into a nursery um, a, 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 from cookies, the, the tin lid, and he mm. flipped it upside down, and he built a garden in it. Mm. So, and this, it was the thing that really was just like moss and dirt and sticks, and but it, it impacted Tolkien, uh, sorry, Lewis so much that he one of the key factors he remembers it because he he saw that as paradise, and it for him it was um, it it was a toy garden that created their imagination. But it sort of gave, it, he he reminisces on it way later in life and how he believes that that was God revealing Himself in his life from his brother, like when they were little wow. kids. So he wow. has this this view, even though he walked away from it all. So it's kind of kind of really really crazy crazy. Um, his quote, I think what he said, as long as I, li- I live, my imagination of paradise will retain something my brother's toys garden. We always had pencils, paper, chalk, and paint boxes, and the recurring imprisonment gave us an occasion and stimulus to develop the habit of creative imagination. Mm-hmm. Together we devised the imaginary country of boxing. And this created, that created a lot of joy for them. And, and some say that that creative thing that him and his brother created, that's what became Narnia. Mm. down the road that's where it all came from so it's kind of come um when he, he was nine his paternal grandfather passed away and then i think i, I think it was a fairly short time his mother passed away of cancer mm. and back in those days like you didn't go to the hospital for the surgery they came and did the surgery in your house so he mm. describes just the smells in the house and the secret you note know, going behind the door where everyone was going in and out and he wasn't allowed because that's where his mother was sick and wow. they, they performed surgery Light tried to perform life-saving surgery on her, and she she passed. Mm-hmm. And he, he he remembers being um, being taken into the room by his dad after she and he, after she had died. And he said it was it was just sheer terror for him, right? And it, it's really that really it was. Just, he said he was overwhelmed by that feeling. Yeah. So um, he said the impact of that loss that's it changed his father's demeanor and his character. And it, like as I said earlier that. Dad then shipped them off to boarding school, him and his brother, and there was lots of crazy, crazy experiences. Like, and he describes in 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 his book, right, about abuse and just just not nice, right, just in this crazy. And the school ended up getting closed or something, and they got moved to another one. So they they they, they went all the way the way through that, and he eventually, um, the boarding school. I think the next boarding school, he met um a, a professor, uh. Last name was Kirkpatrick, and he was a retired head, headmaster. He met through the school. Like Kirkpatrick didn't work at the school, but mm. um, Lewis was just struggling just in life, you know, mental health issues, which wouldn't have been talked about in that time, those right. kinds of things, right? Yeah. And his dad remembered this old guy, William T. Kirkpatrick, a retired headmaster, and sort of connected his um, C.S. Lewis to, to this guy, and it just, they, they clicked. Mm-hmm. And this guy mentored him, became like the father that his father wasn't kind of thing. And, right, and, yeah. and God, him, God helped him through his, all his education and all his 
stuff to, to become the person that he was. So he attributed that. Um, Lewis arrived in Oxford in 1916. So, and when he first applied, they actually rejected him. Oh. So then he, he did officer's training and went through Oxford, got into the, uh, an officer's training, went off to war, and then they came back and then he got in. Hmm. Wow. <laughs> it's, it, just, just, Could you just, imagine rejecting C.S. Lewis? <laughs> Not getting well, yeah, exactly. It, it, it was that whole thing, right? And so he, when he went to war, he had his, he, this is kind of cr- crazy. He went to war and he had a, his best friend, Patty, died he saw his friend die and and they had made a pact with each other that if one of them were to die that the other would if they got went home they would look after each other's families mm. so patty died c.s lewis really had doesn't like if, if it had been the other way around there was nothing to come back to look after for patty you know, mm. there was you know, go, okay go maybe help his brother or whatever but yeah. but patty died so c.s lewis came back and looked after patty's mom and his sister like lived in the house worked fed cl- like did the whole thing like and there was all this talk about Wow. Um, inappropriate relation, like it, it was, but it was, he says it was nothing about that. It was like, there's my, he was so committed to what he said about what he would do for this people. And he, and he did mm. lived right in their house with them. Like, it was just like, wow, yeah. that's crazy. Yeah, how, how do you, how do you do that kind of stuff? Right. So, and he, he died and he looked after her name was Mrs. Moore. And a lot of people thought they were sort of thought they were lovers and they would get married, but it was never, that's not what it was. It was more like, I'm, he came, he filled the role of the son, right? And looked mm. after mom and, and the sister kind of thing. Um, and he re- finally returned back to, back to Oxford in 1919 after Mrs. Moore, that's Patty's mom died. Like it doesn't sound like they don't give you a timeline, but it doesn't sound like it was long, like three or four years. Maybe yeah. he, he, he did that. So when he went there, uh, he published Narnia between 1950 and 56. So just around the same time, this came out mm. in 57. So Narnia, last book of Narnia, or he came out in fifties because he wrote. I think Narnia's written. I think seven books, right? There's seven books. Yeah, I think that's what it is. So, um, and that sort of. So they were both writing and sharing. So when they were both writing these books, because you remember it was fourteen years of writing for Tolkien, so he was mm-hmm. well into. So they they writ, wrote their books together and mm. and critiqued each other yeah. and influenced each other's ideas. So it's just like so, and. Um, C.S. Lewis sort of has alluded to the fact that Narnia is, is an allegorical story, but I don't know, you know, you know, Aslan's kind of like the God or the Jesus figure. Right. And you sort of go through all the processes of that kind of stuff. And, you know, in Tolkien, they'll say, you know, Gandalf is like the Jesus figure. Like there's a lot of literature that has like a Christ figure in them. It's, it's, right, it's, yeah. it's something that's used. It's a tool that's used a lot. So anyway, so that's kind of what his life. And he, so he, um, he published in 56. So he worked at Oxford. I think he stayed there for a good portion of his life. Um, as I said, he's dedicated. 1942, he wrote Screw Tape and Tolkien. <laughs> dedicated to Tolkien. He wrote Mere Christianity in 52. Mm. It's like that's even that's nine, nine years before I was born. Mm-hmm. So let's go. Um, he just through all the just hearing the story. He just, he just he created so much diversity, like not just in my thinking, but in other people's thinking. Mm-hmm. I think and. And he, and I think just like anything else, right? Uh, people take their stuff, you know, and read someone's book, and they, they they interpret it, right? We do it with scripture, we do it with everything. With that. So it it always has that flavor and spin, and how it speaks, you know, how this speaks to me would speak differently to you or someone else, right? Mm-hmm. So it's, and I think the Bible's kind of the same thing. So it's it's interesting. So, um, but because he was such a free thing, it helped me 
to not hang on to absolutes mm. and, to, and to be able to, and I think because because of that, like to, to be able to separate that, I just I feel for certainly for myself when I'm talking to other people, it just I, I feel like I don't have to be wrestling or judging or trying to figure other people's stuff out. Right. It's okay for you to be you and it's okay for me to be me mm. kind of thing. And so it's like, so you can have a discourse and the idea of like, we don't have to all agree on the same things, but you know, the question, well, who's right and who's wrong? Well, I don't know that that, that always matters, mm. right? Because we're never all going to agree on anything. No, it's true. <laughs> right. It's just the way it is. So that's, so yeah. So um, I've used a lot of times that just, Certainly, you know, in my experience as a pastor, then also working with YFC for so long, you know, you get pulled in those situations where maybe, you know, a child has died and you're doing a funeral. Mm-hmm. And I always draw on some of C.S. Lewis writing from Grief Observed because he just has some profound thoughts on how we process grief. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, yeah, just really, really, really just to his, just there's just so much grace and mercy and love that comes out out of those things and they're hard dark times and it's like yeah they're just hard dark times that we all have to walk through those waters mm-hmm. at some point right apparently we all we all die at some level somewhere mm-hmm. sometime right yeah so yeah so it's just yeah it was just that's why i guess to, to me like we use that word old old mentors or dead men like they've just influenced me and they hit me just where my how i work and phrase and i just i love their, their ability to story tell. Um, I always just, you know, lots of people say, well, so Craig, you know, when did you become a Christian? I said, I don't, I'm not always 100% sure. My experience was, it was actually a former YFC guy who was hmm. a, um, he was a, our, like our youth pastor. He wasn't, he didn't, church didn't pay him because churches didn't pay youth pastors as much back then. Right. But So he was a guy running youth and I was in such turmoil. And the only reason I went to church, well, let's face it, my mom made me go to church and because I, I had to drive her. My mom would, just wasn't able to do anything, so I love my mom. So, okay, I'll drive you to church. I don't want to go to church, but I'll drive you to church. And it was funny because w- my mom's one of those kind of like, she just sort of, I don't want to be mean, <laughs> just sort of kind of laid in her pain, right? And so she mm-hmm. called the hotlines and get someone to, always wanted someone to talk to, which is not bad, I guess, right? But she phoned back in the day, uh, Huntley Street, 100 Huntley Street, you know, David oh, Means yeah. and all those guys, right? Um, they had a, a, a 24-7 phone number that you could call. Okay. So, so anyway, so she called in to have someone pray for her. And so anyway, so this person prayed for her and that person felt compelled that, oh, I should go visit this woman. Mm. So they did. So I walked into the house one day and I walked in and go up the stairs. We lived in a split level house. So I walked up and there's a guy sitting there. There was a van in my drive with mag wheels and funky windows on. I'm thinking, what the heck? You're like, I said, not exactly what I said, but anyway. Uh, and walked in and there was a guy in a suit, big beard, sitting on the couch talking to my mom. It's like, what? And my mom, oh, come here, Greg. It's like, it's like whatever. So I go in and it's like, so this is this is Pastor Fretz. Mm. Oh, right away. Bing, 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 bing. My bells are going. I was like, yeah, yeah, nothing to do with this guy. So that guy is my father-in-law now. Whoa. So there's a lot of story in there, but yeah. Wow. <laughs> so anyway, yeah. Who who became, for me, an actual father mm. in my life, right? So he's my 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 wife's dad is was an amazing man. So I yeah. So I mean, as I said, there's a lot of story in there. We don't yeah. have to talk about all that, but it's just funny. So like. 
for me, it's like, it's those times in my life when I'm looking and thinking, does God exist? Like, what are, what are those things? And it's like, for me, like, there's just enough ambiguity going on for me that like, there's gotta be more to this story than I know. And I know there's lots of people trying to tell me what the story is and uh, what the actualities are and the certainty, which is not a word I like, the certainty of who God is. It's like, it's, I love the mystical, the mysticism of God and not, I like the, I like the tension of not knowing Mm. because I don't know. So, you know, you say those things like, you know, Craig, do you believe in God? I said, I believe in God, but I don't know that he exists for sure because I don't, Mm. I I just don't. And, And that's, that's sort of that tension, right? Um, as I said, there's enough evidence to say, mm, yeah, I believe there's something more. And I, I believe it's way more than any of us actually actually know what it is, right? So I like I like sitting in that tension. Some people think, oh, you're, well, not that I'm heretical, but they just don't, right? Because within Christianity, there's, this, there's these absolutes, right? That God is God and Jesus is who he said he was and boom, that's it. There's, there's no, you know, mm. it's like, why did Jesus come? Well, he came to die for our sins and we get the whole, the spiel. And I'm thinking... Yeah, I don't know. Mm. I, I do. I have that thought. You know, I'm, I'm now I'm thinking, I'm thinking 16. I'm, I'm asking these questions. I'm going, I'm like stark raving mad. But I don't know. I don't know. But I do believe that God is love. That makes sense to me because with pushing everything through that filter, then I can make sense of the Bible and all the awful things that are in there, right? Mm. And how that works and why it works and how we look at those kind of things. So, yeah. So just, but like to do that kind of an instance in life for me, like to walk in and, meet this guy sitting on the couch with my mom. And I think my mom's crazy. Yeah. Right. And so it's like, if you're crazy, he's got to be crazy too. Mm. Right. And, and now, you know, as I said, the story's a lot longer, but now he can, he became, eventually I married his daughter and he now my, you know, became my father-in-law. Wow. And it's just like, you can't excuse that. So mm. for, I don't like using the word certainty, but sort of, for me, it was just sort of, it gave me evidence mm-hmm. that, there's something more and it's good and it's big and it's love and it's all those things. Right. So anyway, <laughs> there's a lot there. There's a <laughs> lot there. Sorry. Part two. No. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and it's so funny. You've touched on some of our other questions that we had written down, but I would love to hear what are some of your, and we've talked about the kind of the classics, Narnia, Lord mm-hmm. of the Rings, mm-hmm. screw tape letters. But what would you say are your top favorite books from these guys? Like for somebody who's never heard of Tolkien or never have heard uh, of C.S. Lewis or just knows them just for Narnia or just for Lord yeah. of the Rings. Yeah. My top favorite, it's so, it's so hard for me to pick top favorites because I, I've read, you, know, you do so many, but I could probably... Hobbit and Lord of the Rings, the four books together, like mm. the, the series would be, I mean, in my, in my life, it's probably the book I've read the most. Mm. Be, well, probably like it would be the same as the Bible. I've read it. Like I've read a lot. Yeah. Like, and, and I, I'll even go back and just reread favorite sections. Mm-hmm. Right. But, uh, I mean, so probably I would have to probably sit there I and mean, when you, and you, when you look at Tolkien's body of work, that is his body of work. Everything mm-hmm. else sort of spins off of that right. way, the Sil- Silmarillion or mm-hmm. some of the other books that are out there. And he's got a couple other books that I've read where he's, you know, he's rewritten some North, Norse mythology and put it in more modern language so you can read it. Oh, cool. So I've read some of those, um, which which are good too. So, um, But it sort of, mid, the Middle Earth experience sort of is all driven off of Lord of the Rings, right? The And the Hobbits, the Hobbit's like the prequel. Mm. those of you who watch the movies, right, you, you get that. And the movies are great, but they're not the book. Mm. There's there's definitely, they. there's always artistic lights. And I love the movies too, but there's 
parts that weren't in the movies that are in the books and and then there's some parts that are that are changed and those kinds of things yeah. so but the the spirit of the of the narrative is definitely there of what mm-hmm. he wrote so mm-hmm. um for lewis um that's why i brought my the, mm-hmm. the, the, the these two books because i think screw tape i just love just <laughs> The perspective, you know, a, a, a Dean talking talking to the the demon boss kind of, and having this dialogue yeah. mm. about trying to mess Christians up, mm. <laughs> and I just it, it's 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 very um, subversive in in its in its language and how it works, and uh, yeah, I just it just just it was a very interesting take on on spirituality and, and what it looks like and what you know that whole world of spiritual warfare, something that we can't see that we believe that something going on in the spiritual realm mm. we're spiritual beings those kinds of things so uh, yeah that's i i had to pick it i was kind of leaning to the, the a grief observed because mm. i've used that book a lot and i appreciate it mm. um i haven't had to deal with a whole lot of death in my life i lost my best friend when i was 18 you know and i lost my grandpa so when teenage i remember those deaths particularly so but yeah um yeah so probably the, in that realm mm-hmm. I, that's probably I would pick, mm. I think. So out of your list, everybody. <laughs> I'm funny because I said to my, my wife's tried to read Lord of the Rings a couple of times and my wife's just um, very scientific and likes mm. just to get to the point. And she says, I don't want to read about all the scenery. Right. She, said she doesn't like, she does, she doesn't want, she doesn't need, she's just, I just want to read the plot. So she likes them. She watched the movie. She enjoys it. So she gets it, but she's tried a couple of times and she's never quite, she says, Oh, I just skipped this part. And, and, mm-hmm. and she's, and my wife reads a lot too. Yeah. Not to my same amount that I read because it's just, that's who she is. And that's mm-hmm. not, she's not driven that way as much, mm-hmm. but uh, I highly recommend them. I think they're great. Yeah. Um, but it's like, it doesn't, if you've never read it, you know, the movies are all you're going to do. That's fine. Like, mm-hmm. but I mean, clearly, certainly in the literary world and sort of like when you think about like even the, the, the genre of fantasy and even for Lewis too and science fiction, these guys have contributed so much to, to that world. And like most epic fantasy that's written now is inevitably going to be held to this standard, mm, right? Yeah. And has there been better ones? Yeah, there's. I've read some fantasy stuff that is like, whoa, this is amazing, right? And it's good, but I my, I still go back to the Hold old to because it's yeah. where it started, right? So it holds, mm-hmm. holds meaning, way, yeah. holds meaning mm-hmm. that way. So, and there's just something, yeah, there's something pure about it. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, so. Mm, that's cool. I think an overarching theme I'm sort of sensing is just like how these people who, like, I mean, I wonder if they'd be surprised or not about how information and technology have changed the way we live now. Yeah. And yet they still had such insight into so many things and just this idea of just like opening up your mind to to considering God in a sense. Yeah. Um, really yeah. just that expansion. Um, yeah. There's more to learn about God, not yeah, less. Yeah, well, and to me, like, as I read their stuff, I mean, the common overriding theme is is just simply... It, it's love, right? And, and it's love and it's all its tension, whether it's focused because there's something bad or evil or however you want to describe that or something that's overwhelmingly great and fantastic and mm-hmm. graceful and all those things. Right? It's, love is the common thread. Like mm-hmm. the relationships that are in these books between the people are filled with with love and grace and mercy and all those kinds of things. And, and they, they all have those, the protagonists who just like, 
can't get it. Mm. <laughs> and the people who are just like, are you kidding? Just smack the guy. Like, <laughs> so I just, that's what I like. So and to me, it just, yeah, it just, it just makes sense. So it's just, I want to be that kind of person. I want to be about love and just able to look at people and, and see them for the humans that they are, right? To offer dignity and acceptance. Mm. Just that whole idea, like um, the YFC guy who sort of, when I came into the church with my, with after meeting my wife and, you know, got drawn into the church and I met my wife. So I went, drove my mom to the church the first day and my wife would, would be in that Sunday school. I went in my jeans and a t-shirt, right? Mm-hmm. You walk in and all these kids are wearing like suits and dresses. You're thinking, what's wrong with you guys? Yeah. <laughs> That's how I felt. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Culture shock. <laughs> it was, it was weird. Like I'm walking in this going, and I've never changed. I've just, I've always been that way. And they eventually, maybe I corrupted them. I have no idea. Like they started being a little freer. I remember Elaine's brother, Matt's, you know, he, he's got, had really long hair by the time he's, he's a year younger than me. By the time he was 18, he's got really long hair. And it was, so there was some freedom in that for me. But anyway, it was just interesting meeting these people, but I met my wife for the first time then. There was no, it wasn't like, uh, there was no aha moment at that moment, mm. but I did meet her. And then as they, um, Glenn was big into sports. So he says, oh, Craig, I got this volleyball team. Would you come and play for me? Because he, heard that I was a volleyball player. I guess mm. my mom must have told him. So it's like, I just love sports. So it's like, yeah, I'll play volleyball. I don't yeah, care who yeah. I play with. I come try to wreck you, whatever. <laughs> so they drew me in that way. And I so I did. I met Elaine and her brother, Matt, who who's a, just a year younger than me. She's two years younger than me. And I just met some other people. Um, I had a really solid group of friends outside of church. So Elaine will always tell the story and just say, oh, you know, Craig used to drop me. I had to be home by 10 o'clock. Craig dropped me off and he'd go out again because <laughs> I just go back to my old friends. Yeah. Right. And they were, they were great, great guys. And we did the normal teenage stuff, you know, all the things that you do. Mm-hmm. Um, but they were real friends and they really, lo- there wasn't, there was nothing superficial about our group. They were just, they were amazing. We were, we were just like, we we're still connected to this day, mm-hmm. which, which is bizarre um that we are right and i know if i meet any one of those guys i mean it's, it would be it's just like whoosh, there's no mm. there's no time lost right you just right back in the groove so i think i really call so i appreciate those kinds of relationships so that's you know as i described my earlier my friend doug that's the kind of relationship i have like even though we don't see each other each day even though i'd love to when i when we walk into each other pressure just boom, it's like Mm. No time's passed and just we're back in. Mm-hmm. So I, I really appreciate that kind of stuff. But Glenn just sort of said to me, um, like I never prayed a prayer, you know, there was no get down on your knees and ask Jesus. Like he never did that with me at all. Just, you know, I asked, I said to him, I said, I don't know what it is you got, but I'd like, like, why? Like I was, how do you get it? Like we're, you know, mm-hmm. I was 18 years old. I didn't even know what the question to ask. And he just said, you're good. And it's what he said to me. He says, you're good. You're fine. Just keep keep moving forward. Mm. So in many years down the road, I sort of, the guy, like, he, he was crazy. He, like, I'm a 16-year-old boy, and it's like, can I have your car, Glenn? Oh, yeah, take it. <laughs> I never wrecked his car. I wrecked a couple of my parents' cars. but So it just he just did crazy stuff, right? And it's mm-hmm. like, I, I needed a place to sleep. He had a spare room in his house and he sleep. I remember going in there and laying down in the bed and another guy came and was like, who are you? Oh, you know, Glenn said I could stay here tonight. <laughs> That's mm-hmm. okay. Like, and he just did stuff. Like you get in trouble if you do that stuff now. Yeah. Like it's just, 
He, you know, just not supposed to do that. But he did that. That's the kind of stuff he did. And there was nothing weird about it. So I met, you know, I met a friend through that and he, same thing for Sean. He kept coming to youth group. Mm. He met his wife at mm. youth group and same as me. Like, and that's where we, we just sort of did life till we're, we're, we're early twenties. And, and I just said, I just feel like I owe you so much, Glenn. He says, you don't owe me anything. He says, but he says, when you're out there doing life and you run into a person like you were, he says, just pay it back. Mm. That's all he said. So it's just like, yeah, just love, just love people. And look for opportunities to love people. Mm-hmm. So that's that he so he instilled that in me. Yeah. And so that's kind of how I've run my life for the whole time. I'm, my my job is just to love people. When I walk into the high school, I'm just there to love people. Mm. I'm not there to fix anything or do anything. Just love people. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing as you do that how God shows up. Yeah. And then, you know the rest is history, kind <laughs> of thing. So. Anyway. It's a good word. It is a good, well, there you go. Question for you. Sure. How is God forming you in this season? Oh, man. You're going to ask that. Mm, yeah. Not that I'm afraid of that question. It's just, it's so funny. I mean, I'm at this point in life, you know, I turned 60, and I'm not hung up on age at all. I don't feel like a normal 60-year-old most days. <laughs> mm. I forget what some kid said to me the other day. I said, because I was doing something volleyball, I was like, I've decided that I'm no longer diving and hitting the floor for a volleyball. It's just not Fair. worth it. Your own yeah. boundaries, yeah. Yeah, right? And, oh, come <laughs> on, Greg. And I said, yeah, I said, just looked at this, you know, fourteen-year-old girl. I said, I'm sixty years old. I'm not going to dive on the floor. Oh, you're not sixty. You're more like us. It's like, okay, whatever. It's like I don't know if that's a good. I don't think I, that's a compliment. <laughs> but yeah, it's, so age is just a number to me. But so, I, like, how is God forming me? Um, sometimes I I struggle with. I guess I don't. I guess I. I guess it is kind of a struggle because I wrestle with it, right? Um, I think God has been forming me to teach me how to love without an agenda. Mm. And I've been sort of at that cro- crossroads for, for a long time. I, I feel I've moved through different stages in life. And I, I really, I'm seeking some kind of harmony. As you look at human nature and human behavior, you know, we move through these stages in life. And I'm trying to get to a place where I can, I want to feel peace. Mm. I guess is what I'm trying to say. And I do feel some peace, but it's not... Well, the last two years have not been peaceful for anybody. Yeah. Right? So I, that creates struggle because, you know, to be removed from the purpose and the passions of the things that you do and not be able to do what you feel like you're supposed to be doing, what you feel like you're made to do, mm-hmm. been very difficult for me. So, um, you know, maybe patience is one of the things that's being worked on with me. I'm not always the most patient person, but... Mm. Um, but I'm in this I'm in this space in life now where I'm I'm looking ahead, um, you know, and some of it's just retirement and what does that look like for me, and you know the thought that I want to be where my kids are and they're in Nova Scotia, you know, so I, that's definitely things. So God is working on that in for both my wife and I, and, and we've already decided that we're going to move to Nova Scotia at some point. Yeah. Um, we're now at the point where we're starting to put dates on it, right? And thinking about, okay, what does it look like and how? And, I, and I'm looking at the high school because to stop doing what I do there is going to be hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Because they're my family, they're my community. Mm-hmm. And not only will I stop, but then I'll move away. Mm-hmm. And it's like, ah, oh, it's just, it, so it's just, it's very, 
it's for, it's, it's emotional. It's just it's, there's lots wrapped up in that for me. So I think God is trying to teach me to have peace and to trust, um, you know, trust Him, trust myself and my wife and the decisions we're making and what we're to do, and to try to get ang- try to get excited about that new chapter that is approaching mm-hmm. us. And it seems like COVID has sped things up for us. Like we're just we're we're. I think and I think if you ask lots of people. Um, because we've been so disconnected, we're looking to reconnect. Mm-hmm. So kind of that's kind of where I'm. I'm in that space. So I think that's what I'm learning from, mm-hmm. from God. It's just how how am I going to reconnect? How I'm uh, I, I'm just in this period of flux, and mm-hmm. even a even a rebuilding time. So I and there's anxiety in that for me. I have probably if you asked me 25 years ago, even 30 years ago. Do you deal with anxiety, Craig? I said, no. Mm-hmm. But looking back on my life, yeah. I, and I think, you know, we talk about mental health and anxiety and all the different things that people have. I said, yeah, I obviously, I, I can I, I can have anxiety over certain things and I can feel it. I can feel it right in the pit of my stomach when I have it. It's like, oh, I don't like this feeling. And back then you, just, you never did anything about it. Now you can, we talk about it and stuff. So trying to relax and not have anxiety about this transitional time mm-hmm. that I'm in. And just, yeah, just lots of things swirling and frustrations and stresses in life that I just, I don't want that. I don't want to live my life that way. So, yeah. so I'm trying to listen and hear and, and just find a way, th- a way through. And I, and with, with God's help, um, I've never, I've never been like, okay, God, like God says, okay, Craig, you know, the big voice that tells me what to do. I, I've never been that guy. Mm-hmm. I, I believe God influences and sways, but I, you know, I don't know that there's a specific path, but my, my feet are directed by him and how I think and how I move and those kinds of things. So I don't have a, a huge enlightenment on that spot at this mm-hmm. point, but, uh, you know, I think to know that, to be able to rest in the fact that, to know that I am loved and that I'm supported by lots of great people and I'm, you know, God is in that picture and how that works and flows and all that kind of stuff is, is reassuring. Mm. So I just keep plodding along and doing my thing. Right. So, mm. mm-hmm. so yeah. So I, there's a lot of stuff there. So I'm, I, yeah, I, I knew when you were going to ask, it was like, that's a big question mm. right now for me because there's a lot <laughs> of things in flux. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, it's kind of where I'm at. Mm-hmm. To forming, not yet formed. <laughs> well, yeah, but I'm 60. Like how much more forming do I have to go through? Anyway, <laughs> I thought I'd be formed by now, yeah. but mm. I guess, but that's the beauty of it. If I'm truly going to latch onto this idea that I got to be open-minded and willing to change and willing to always move. Um, one of the, one of the, one of the things sometimes in my mind is like, I, I pray a lot to, to God is like, don't let me get comfortable and don't let me become complacent. Mm. So just by like, it's almost like a breath prayer for me every mm. day. It's like. And then and the third part of that is let me be where you are. Mm. That's like that, that's sort of my mantra in my head, right? So and I so then I get complaining about you know, like how much more form. It's like, well, if you're praying that, Craig, kind of asked I, for it. I think, <laughs> yeah. So like, I guess my prayer is being answered as yeah. long as short of it, right. I'm not complacent. I'm certainly not comfortable, mm-hmm. and I like to be wherever God's moving. Mm. So mm-hmm. if God's moving in Nova Scotia, then I'll be there. Sweet. So, that was a very good little sum up of all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So, so that's kind of where I'm at. So, mm, nice. Yeah. Thanks so much. Got one more question that we ask everyone, but I think overall, I, I, it's really, again, I think I'm blown away by the fact that 
Tolkien and C.S. Lewis were alive when my great grandparents were like, it wasn't that long ago that no. they were no, kicking think. around, you yeah. know what I mean? And the, the lessons and the things that they wrote about speak to pe- different people differently, but the value of, I don't know, I guess just God's faithfulness throughout the times beyond our own experiences and how they've communicated that in different ways in their writings and their mind. And yeah, it's, it's wild to me. And for you in your 60 or being 60, just sorry. 60. Yeah. Just 60. I'll be 61. <laughs> I'll be 61 this year. So I guess technically I'm in my okay. 60s. Not yet though. No. And Ainsley and I being Apparently I'm mid- just a teenager though. Apparently. I Apparently do, you're 14. I do love Lego though. <laughs> Keeps me on. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. And Ainsley and I being in our, like our mid twenties, it's like, oh yeah, these I like the truth of the matter is that we are being formed continuously. Yeah. And uh yeah, I don't know. These are just the random thoughts floating through my mind throughout our conversation, which is good but ch- hard but good. Yep. Is the easiest way of wrapping it up. Mm. Yeah. yeah. But thank you so much for yeah, sharing us your your interest in Tolkien and C.S. Lewis because I know that you've read a lot of their material and yeah, they've impacted you and your life too and how that all fits together. Mm-hmm. Um, so last question, what is the best piece of advice you've been given? Oh my goodness. Or just a good yeah. piece of no, advice. I, yeah, there's, there's so much. <laughs> I, I guess I just go back for me because I, it was so forming. I, I Actually, I just, I just told you this, but uh, you know, when Glenn sort of, when I went back to Glenn a little later in life, I, I actually made the trip. I went to see him. He was pastoring in St. Catherine's. I said, I'm coming to see you. Mm. And I had this conversation with him about like all that, how he, I wanted him to know how he impacted my life. And I felt like I owed him something. Mm. And he, he honestly just sort of just reinstilled. He says, you don't owe me anything. He says, but just remember what I did for you that you do for others that he said, if you do that, and he says, you do that. I know you do that. Yeah. Right. Cause I'd already, I don't know if I was with YFC or if I was pastoring at that, but I forget mm. the timeline, but it just impacted me that is, you know, remember that it's, it's an old movie. I remember maybe eighties called pay it forward. Anyway, it was this whole, anyway, you can look at, it's a, it's a good movie. I forget who, I don't even remember. I wouldn't put it at the A list. It's probably a B list movie, mm-hmm. but the whole idea was that you know this kid who gets bullied, blah 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 blah, and things bad things happen. But he gets in the idea that he's just going to love people and pay it forward, right? So Glenn actually used the words: "He's just pay it forward, pay this love forward, this love that God has given us, pay it forward." That you don't owe me anything, but you owe sort of the idea that you owe humanity this mm. this thing so and he said just love people just love people and it was never about you know so many times you ask a you know whether it's a youth worker or minister you know we got to preach the gospel we hear that like and love is the gospel it's just how we say it how we do it and how we present it is very different in my world than how i've seen it demonstrated so i because i believe that love is only through relationship does it happen and and relationships operate on many different levels, like there's acquaintances, whatever, or just that one-time meeting. But that one-time meeting is not about me saying, you don't know Jesus, you, you know, you're going to hell or whatever that you need to know. And and the urgency becomes for me to to get that message to you. It's like, I've learned that God delivers that message with or without me. Mm. And it's through the love that that message gets delivered. So he, that's what he just instilled me. So the best way, so advice for me was pay it forward. Mm. Thanks so much, Craig. This is so good. I yeah. think also the other thing that stands out to me is as you're explaining Tolkien and C.S. Lewis's relationships and to hear your life and how important 
those relationships, whether they look like Tolkien and C.S. Lewis's or very different, how yeah. important people are to you. Yeah. So yeah. it's a gift to know you. It's a gift to serve alongside you. And thanks so much for joining us. I Yeah, I was excited to be here with you guys. You guys are awesome. And I'm, you guys should be the bosses. I turn everything over to you. <laughs> <laughs> go and go. Yeah. <laughs> so um, thanks for having me. It was, just, yeah, it was an honor to be here. Mm-hmm. Thanks so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. We have more amazing conversations coming up. You guessed it, every single Monday. So follow, subscribe on whatever podcast platform you're using. Make sure you hit us up if you're from the States. And other than that, enjoy your Monday. Bye. (laughs) Toodaloo. Have a great day. Bye.